On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Hacker and Layman, presented by Riverwind Casino, we take a deep dive into OU's disappointing loss against Kansas. We also recap some of the other best games of Week 9 of college football, and we give you our winners and losers of the weekend. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right. Our man, Michael Hosty will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful, it's kind of miserable actually, but it's a beautiful Sunday, October 29th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Hacker and Layman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and there are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including Blackjack, Blackjack Match Roulette, and Teddy's favorite, Craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And to learn more about their gaming promotions and entertainment options in the month of October, all you have to do is visit Riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, simply the best. Now recording this on early Sunday afternoon, Please leave us a five-star review and a nice comment. And Ted, I am all kinds of pissed off. <laughs> yes. You are not the uh, Lone Ranger on that one, big fella. Well, not only is it disappointing, right, the way that the that OU team played in Lawrence, and we'll get to that. Oh, we'll get to all of that. But we've got this new awesome look on YouTube, right? Austin Edson. Reaches out to us, graphic designer. He says, let me help you guys make it look better. And we let the guy go do his thing. And it looks fantastic. It looks cool. It looks so much better than it ever has. And if you're listening on the podcast platforms, you don't know what I'm talking about. But if you're watching on YouTube, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And we're debuting that after OU's first loss to Kansas since 1997. I'm just pissed off about everything because it looks great, and I wanted it to be after a win. Is this our alternate uniform game? (laughs) You can't blame it on the YouTube templates, okay? They had no effect on the football game. That we know of, that we can prove. That we can prove. (laughs) But it looks great, Austin. Thank you so much. It looks fantastic. Good job. Let's dive into this thing. Now, we're going to get to the offense, and I have some strong thoughts on what we saw from a play-calling play standpoint. But we've been going defense first this season. We'll keep doing the same thing. Even though the team lost, we're not going to change what we do on here. What did you think of what you saw from OU's defense against Kansas, Ted? 
I'm looking at my notes here and it's just it's I mean there's there's stuff like everywhere. It's not what's what's weird about it is it's just blah. You know, there's there's not a lot in there that you're just like, "Oh my gosh, this is so horrible." And there's not a lot in there like this is just great. It's just it's it's blah, man. We gave up too many chunk plays. We had too many missed tackles. Whenever we had opportunities to get off the field and win the game, we were beat. Um, I just had a handful of guys that played well. I'll start there. I thought Desan McCullough played well. He didn't get a whole lot of opportunity out there, but he had a couple of impact plays. He had a tackle for loss on the tunnel screen. He was really active in the run game. I thought he did some good things considering the amount of snaps that he played. I thought Kip Lewis played well. Obviously, a big factor in the football game storyline is Stutzman tweaking that ankle, whatever has happened to it. Couldn't play. Tried to give it a go. I talked to him after the game. He said he just couldn't move on it. Um, Kip Lewis went in. I thought he performed really well, given given the um, the situation, having to come in there, made a lot of tackles, was productive, active, like you always imagine with him, pulls the trigger, comes downhill. It wasn't perfect. He had a couple of missed tackles, but honestly, you know, the missed tackles, look, they looked bad, but the results off of them weren't just catastrophic. And I would prefer a guy miss while going then miss while waiting and being passive and that's what you get out of kip lewis uh, my guess is after reviewing this film depending on what stutzman's status is moving forward i think he's going to start to earn some playing time and how they negotiate that stutzman's probably going to have to pull double duty and play the will and the mike backer i thought bowman played well um, standard for him um, on top of everything had the the interception tip late which was huge um, tackled well directed traffic well uh, Stutzman I thought whenever he was in there before he got hurt I thought he played well he's running to the football he, he he's at this point in the season game eight he looks faster than he ever did last season which I think is really good and hopefully we get him back. And everything considered, I thought Key Lawrence played pretty well, too. Made a couple of really nice plays. He had a standout tackle for loss in the red zone on one of the counter plays where he came downhill, made a huge play. Uh, when Stutzman went out, he stepped up his his you know vocal performance out there on the field as far as Communication, getting guys lined up, uh, I thought he played well. Um, some of the standout plays, I mentioned to Sam McCullough, uh, I thought that uh, Kobe McKenzie came in and made a couple of nice plays. He had a pass breakup on third down. That was nice. Um, Ethan Downs, although 
I don't think it was a very good game for Ethan Downs. That play late on the screen, the recognition, um, you know, that's that's film study, that's doing your job, recognizes it's the little the hide screen there to the tailback, finds himself in perfect position between the man and the uh and the football and intercepts it. Huge play in the football game. Um Missed tackles. Worst tackling performance that we've had all year. And the like one of the biggest problems is like some of these came in really bad times that kept drives alive, big chunk plays. I've got a list of them here. We had a missed out missed tackle for a no gain or a uh I'm not gonna throw all these guys out there, then you can go find them if you want to. But we had a third and six getting off the field. Missed tackle on a tackle for loss. First down. Drive stays alive. Um, We had a a missed tackle on first down for a no gain on first and ten. Now it's second six. It's a plus four. Second six. That's a drive changer, especially the way Kansas runs their offense. And we'll get to that. We had one tackle for loss that resulted in a gain of eight plays eight yards on the play we had one tackle for loss that resulted in a gain of 20 down to the five yard line and then you know we had some other scattered missed tackles late in the game whenever everything mattered and it was just it was bad too many chunk plays too many chunk plays whenever it mattered Second drive of the game, we had uh, two big chunks. One on uh, a deep dig route where we didn't have any vision on the wide receiver and we had absolutely zero rush, which, you know, it's a repeating theme throughout the game that we had no rush on the quarterback. And you can blame that on the defensive line, like, Sure, you have to get to an edge and you have to get to the quarterback. But the reason we don't have a rush is because we got blocked so much in the run game. I I just think that we're so worried about the run game and where we fit and what where we're what's supposed to happen. We're we are so passive coming off the football whenever it's passing downs or passing opportunities that we never get to the quarterback at all. And Credit being, he was fantastic. He was great in the running game. He made great decisions. Now, I know he threw the interception late, and we dropped some interceptions, but he threw the ball away whenever we had some pressure. He had some huge plays in the running game, and he let them down, touchdown drive whenever they needed it to win the football game, so credit him. Um, Like, the overall... What's going to be so upsetting about this for this defense is Kansas, It this is going to be clinic tape for the running game. I mean, it's clinic. We're blocked. Blocked. There's some plays in here where they run the, the 20 personnel, the split backs, where they have both tailbacks out there late in the game, hand sweep. It there it's blocked so well, Gabe. Kick out, lead up, seal. We're cut off 
everywhere across the front. Backers are sealed. The the backside guard, who is the last guy, they it's like, you know, we talked about it, student body left. You know, the backside guard that lead that finally leads up, he doesn't block anyone until like 20 yards down the field is how sealed up they have it on us. Um it's just it's gonna be absolute clinic tape. And that's frustrating. Because they're going to be teaching this up for years, and it's going to be our defense that is that's going to be on that film. We didn't, we just didn't beat blocks. Our defensive line a week ago against UCF, I had, I think I had eight guys that I thought played well on the defensive line. This week, our defensive line was a non factor. We're blocked across the board. We're pancaked. We're flattened on the backside of of stretch. We got guys laying on the ground all across the field. Um, it's just it's I I don't know what you say about it. It's clinic tape from Kansas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I am a big fan of Andy Kaldonicki's offense. I think I made that clear leading into this football game. That offensive line completely whooped OU's defensive line's ass. Yep. There's... That's the simplest way to say it. Gap schemes, zone schemes, and and you can talk about all of the window dressing, right? The shifts, the motions, all of that stuff. But I thought OU did a good job of adjusting to all that and being set and ready to play. Yep. And they just got worked, man. Yeah, I agree. A lot of it, you know, whenever you, you get there, finished formation you got your shift you got your motion we're about to snap the ball I didn't see now I don't know how they coached it I don't know the exact I don't know the call so I don't know exactly where they're supposed to be lined up but I didn't see like a continuous egregious misalignment of players right we were lined up I you know in a good enough position to defend the play a lot, we're just blocked, flat out blocked. Which is better, worse. worse. <laughs> it's worse, right? Yeah. I mean, they were they were lined up, and especially I thought the interior, especially, just no impact on the football game. Yep. How are you supposed to play good defense against a good offense 
when your defensive line has no impact on the football game. Yep. Blocked. Down after down after down. Double teams just getting peeled out of there. Yeah. That that offensive line for Kansas, credit to those guys. That was a straight up ass kicking. Mm-hmm. It was. I mean, I'm looking at the chunk plays. Here's how they live. This is like as the game unfolds. I mentioned the 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 dig on series two. Dig. We got no vision on the play. We got absolutely no pass rush. Um, we got a one back stretch on that play for an expl- or on that same series, series two, one back stretch. Everyone's cut off. Whole defensive line, everyone's cut off. Explosive run. Fourth drive. We got a scramble up from the quarterback. We we run a twist. No contain at all on the twist game. We got a quarterback that runs a four five forty out the gate, scramble, explosive play. Uh, same drive, drive four. We have that little tip ball over there on the on the sideline. I haven't seen the TV version. I mean, I saw it up in the booth. Look like he's out of bounds to me. Whatever. It's an explosive play. Dean Blandino uh, agrees with you. I don't know. I and He said I look- it should have been incomplete on the TV broadcast. That's the how Big I 12 came out and said it was complete, that he had reestablished. Yeah. And it I had something to do with the tip. I. Well, on a tipped ball, someone who is out of bounds and then reestablishes themselves. Okay. If a wide receiver runs out of bounds on his own, even if he reestablishes himself, he cannot be the first person to touch the football. On a tip, if a receiver runs out of bounds on his own, a ball is tipped, he can be the next person that touches the ball whenever he reestablishes himself in bounds. I just don't think he ever reestablished himself in bounds. And I looked through the rule book, and there's not like that play is like a gray area because I think he's still out of bounds. After the ball is tipped. Like, For sure. So, like, what's the rule there? If the ball's already been tipped, like, it almost feels like that should kind of be wiped off, but I, you know, I don't know. Anyways, whatever. That was an explosive play. Um, in the sixth drive of the game, we got a drop back pass. No pressure. And we got a seam route. Down the middle, we just don't carry. Um, wide open, tied in, down the seam. I mean, we start off with him. He's right here. We're looking at him. We just let him go down the seam. Um, and then in the next series, drive seven. Zone read, quarterback keeps it. We got bad eyes. And we're flat out, outrun. Outrun. We've got a corner and a defensive end that see it. And I, but they're late, bad eyes, but whenever they see it, they're outrun. Bean runs right around us. And that's, he's a fast quarterback. He is a legit four or five guy. I don't know, maybe faster, but it looks bad. When Oklahoma, who's a blue blood program, 
is outrun by Kansas. Credit him. It is what it is. They've got a great player right there, but I'm just telling you, it looks bad. All right, we're on the on the near hashers. All this space over here, zone read, pull it, and just right around the corner. That's not that's a bad precedent to set. Um, and the eighth drive of the game, they get in the twenty personnel again with the split backs and run the hand sweep. This is the one I'm talking about. Everyone's blocked across the front. All of the backers are sealed off. Backside guard comes around, leads all the way up. Touchdown, easy. I don't know, it's 25, 30-yard touchdown run. Running back never even gets touched. No one is even close to him. Um, the final drive, the 11th drive of the, of the game, we get lost in coverage on a wheel route down the sideline, explosive pass, move the chains, um, no rush. We get beat on a, on a dig, no rush. We're blocked up front. We're beat. That's the fourth and sixth play, man-to-man -man coverage. We get beat. It's late. That's like the 75th or sixth play of the game. We're tired. It's fourth and six. Venable says he should have called timeout. I don't know. Offense has run 76 plays as, as well. They were fresh enough to make the play. I don't know what to say on that. Um, that is not what lost us the game, though. Right? I mean, I know Venables is stressing over that fourth down. It, should he have called a timeout there to regroup and 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 be able to come up with the perfect play to maybe try and win the game right there? Maybe. I I, I guess yes. Uh, maybe he felt like he needed one in his back pocket in case they converted. And, I mean, they did convert, but you stop them there, you win the football game. Couldn't do it. They get down inside the, what, the five or six, and we let them score. So, I mean, that's the game. Too many chunk plays, too many missed tackles, too many penalties. Now, the penalty on Kendall Dobley over on the sideline, horseshit call. It's a horrible call. But what do you do? Right, that's outside your control. Um, the play down on the goal line, the targeting on Reggie Pearson, horseshit call. Right, but what are you going to do? I mean, if you can't defend the goal line as a defensive player, I don't know what we're talking about. Right, so I mean, that's that's it in a nutshell. Blocked, not competitive late, outrun. Lost at times in coverage. No rush on the quarterback. And that's how you go to Lawrence and get beat. But I thought the defense played well enough to win the game. They, All of that being said, they created turnovers whenever you needed it, right? Late, whenever you needed something to happen, they made something happen. So I – there's there's a lot of bad in here. There's a lot of blah in here. But credit the defense for making some big plays late whenever they needed to to put some perfume on some otherwise really smelly stuff, you know? I'm there's not trying to, to make it sound like 
I'm not trying to make it sound like giving up 38 to Kansas is acceptable. Right. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is what they got from their offense. Uh, I thought the it, offense was the problem. Yes. Here's but the other that's thing. usually how you and I see it, right? I usually view, hey, when this team loses, I put it on the offense. You usually put it on the defense. But I was just stunned with what I watched. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. We gave up 38 to Kansas, but we threw a pick six. Correct. We fumbled a kickoff return. Which why a defensive end is in that spot when they've already pooch kicked it once. I have no idea. I don't know how that happens. Totally agree. Um, so we fumbled that, gave him the ball inside the whatever. Um, had a, a fumble inside. The, what was it? The 25-30. I should have wrote it down when Farouk was in. So I defense didn't play well, but they also got put in some really bad situations with turnovers. And, you know, the pick six goes up on the board, and that goes on our defense. Yes. You ready to talk about the offensive performance? Yeah. Well, no, but yeah. (laughs) But first, Love's Travel Stops is now offering a nationwide 10 cent per gallon discount on gas and auto diesel. Just download the Love's Connect app and scan scan your barcode at the prompt on screen and watch that price drop 10 cents per gallon. Across the country, the Love's Connect app unlocks exclusive deals and can help any traveler plan their route or meal on the highway. So before you hit the road, be sure to download the Love's Connect app to save 10 cents per gallon and experience the country's best highway hospitality at Love's Travel Stops. Love's also has you covered if you forget your phone charger or headphones with their expanded mobile-to-go zone. And of course, don't forget to grab yourself some of that delicious Java Hamori. It's hunting time in Oklahoma. And if you're looking to buy some hunting property, the land doctors can help you find the ideal ranch. They build custom hunting lodges and lakes and can turn Oklahoma's raw land into your personal playground. If you'd like to sell some land or you simply want to add to your portfolio, then call Colton Cole at 405-615-7645 or visit landdoctors.com. And celebrate with a Schooner All-American Ale, the official craft beer of OU Athletics from Coupe Ale Works. Named after the iconic Sooner Schooner that races across Owen Field after an OU score, you can join in on the celebration with an ice-cold beer from Coop Aleworks. You can enjoy it at the Palace on the Prairie, at OU Athletics events, at the bar, at the tailgate, and in the comfort of your own home. For more information on Schooner All-American Ale, visit SchoonerAle.com. Must be 21 to purchase. Please drink responsibly. Schooner All-American Ale, the taste of game day. Some, some general thoughts first on OU's offensive performance against Kansas. The overall lack of aggressiveness from Jeff Levy in this offense was shocking. I have, I've got no valid reason for why the play calling was the way that it was in that football game. I know the weather wasn't ideal. It was a little cold. It was a little wet. But it wasn't a blizzard and it wasn't a monsoon. I am genuinely shocked at how Lebby called that game offensively. Now, they ran it efficiently. They did. 269 yards, 4.9 a carry. Tawi Walker was really good. Him going out with the ankle certainly hurt. Dylan Gabriel did some good things running the football. They had five rushing touchdowns. 
you usually win if you have five rushing touchdowns. But there is just no excuse for the lack of aggressiveness that Jeff Flebby displayed in that game. I, I watched it twice. I tried to figure it out. Ted, and if you have something, please let me know. Dylan Gabriel got off to a shaky start. Right, He misses Stogner on the first play of the game. He throws the pick six. It's an awful decision. Way late, all the way across the field. Can't make that throw. But you have to trust your quarterback, who's played a ton of football, to bounce back from that. And I hate saying this, man, but this is what it reminded me of as I was watching it. It reminded me of the Texas game last year where the plan wasn't to run all that wildcat, but Bevel was so bad early that he just completely abandoned the plan mm-hmm. and went ultra conservative. A, a completely different set of circumstances, but that is what watching this unfold reminded me of. An early mistake and just completely abandon any aggressiveness in the passing game. I can go through all the things that I had issues with, but it, what what am I missing? Ted, help me understand what we just watched. He, I don't know. I thought, yeah, obviously it, it as an offensive play caller, it rocks your confidence a little bit whenever your quarterback throws a pick six early. But this isn't a freshman quarterback, right? That you're going to try to protect the rest of the game. Um, I. I don't think he had any health issues to where like, he couldn't throw the football accurately. I mean, I don't, I don't know. If a quarterback has health issues, you don't run him 15 times, do you? No, that's a good point. I, saw, I don't know. I, I don't know. I've got nothing for you. It's not like Kansas was playing deep conservative zone coverage. No. Kansas was daring Oklahoma to push it down the field. Almost borderline disrespectful. It's what we saw last year. Remember last year, everyone just started coming right to the line of scrimmage. You're going to throw bubbles and tunnels and jets. We're just going to put everyone in the secondary right at the line of scrimmage to try and limit all that stuff. You're going to have to beat us at one-on-one down the field. Kansas challenged Jeff Levy and that offense to push it down the field. And they said, we're good. Some frustrating things from this game offensively. And this all fun falls under the umbrella of play calling, right? Six jet sweeps, including one on a two point conversion through two bubbles. You threw four swing screens. You threw two running back checkdowns on the last drive of the game as well. That's 14 plays at or behind the line of scrimmage against Kansas. Ted, I want you to take a guess. I double-checked it. I charted it. Guess how many passes Dylan Gabriel threw 10 yards in the air past the line of scrimmage before the last drive. Well, was the was the one to Thompson on the last drive? I can't, I'm trying last to last drive. All right, scratch that. 
I know there's I know they're there, but I don't even remember any of them off the top of my head right now. Two. Two. Dylan Gabriel in roughly the first 75 offensive snaps. Dylan Gabriel threw the ball 10 yards past the line of scrimmage in the air twice. And guess what happened? Nick Anderson drew a pass interference on one. That was on play nine. We did not see another ball travel 10 plus yards in the air uh, from the line of scrimmage until snap 63. Nick Anderson catch in the middle of the field and run. I don't know how that happens. It's Kansas. And that's just bad football. The first 75 snaps of offense, you have two throws that go 10 yards in the air. Once again, they were playing aggressive coverage. They just didn't call the plays. Yeah, we didn't we didn't run any at least I don't think how how many times did we with all of the screens and bubbles, you have to have a counter off of that with a a screen and go or where it looks like you're blocking little block and go, little pump to try and back them off of you a little bit there whenever you're running everything lateral and at the line of scrimmage, and I didn't see any of that. People people listen to this with their kids. I'm going to try to keep it together here, but forget that, man. It's Kansas. Push the ball down the field. They have no premier pass rusher. Their safeties are a liability in coverage. Push the ball down the field. It's Kansas. That was a frustrating point. And some other frustrating things. It's clear they were aggressive early, going forward on fourth down. Mm-hmm. Then why get conservative at halftime? I don't know. That was strange. You have time. They should have called timeout earlier before Kansas did. Remember, Leipold yeah. used his timeout. Yep. They should have been using theirs. They would have had more time. And then what we have you've got one of the better, you've got one of the better quarterbacks in college football. And I know you're going into that wind. I understand that. But you have all your timeouts. Dylan Gabriel. Wide receivers have been a bright spot this season up to this point. You've already gone for some fourth downs in the first half. You've shown some aggressiveness, and you just say, no, we're good. We'll take it into the half. I don't understand that. Yeah, I was – I think we talked about that on the broadcast. I was kind of shocked by that. With a, We had a lot of time. Like, everything considered, the amount of the, – the timeouts and the amount of time on the clock, we had time to – Go score a touchdown, but at least get into some field goal range and try something. Yeah. Don't know. Continued the conservative play calling, the conservative mindset in the second half. Fourth and three at the plus 48 on the first drive of the second half. You punt it. Third and six at your own 46 with nine minutes left to go in the game. Third and six. Fourth quarter, tight ball game. Game's on the line. You run QB zone insert. Timing is awful. 
But that call, and we talked about it on the broadcast, that call says we are going for it on fourth down. And then they punt. Just scared football. That is a we are going for it on fourth call. Or there's a miscommunication there. Something. Yeah, well, I, I know they didn't get as much as they wanted to out of that. Would they? It was third and six, or would they get maybe two out of it? Right. I, I, I don't know. It's a, it's just, yeah, I don't, I mean, I guess you, you can make the argument that, well, we thought we were going to get to a, a fourth and one or fourth and two. Then run a play that gets the first down on third and six. I mean, run a stick route with the tight end or a, a get open option route. It's you mean put the ball into the hands of the guy that you think is a Heisman Trophy candidate? Yeah. I mean, that's like that's like Army. You know, it's third and six. We're going to run, you know, fullback dive because we're going for it on fourth down. I mean, third and six is – that's a manageable third down. I, I've got no explanation. i got nothing for you. The worst one of all, Ethan Downs makes a tremendous individual play. Intercepts it. You need one first down to go and win the football game. And the biggest issue I may have is you come out in 12 personnel. Why? You're just bringing another non-pass catching threat onto the field. It made the box even more crowded. Blake Smith has barely played in the last month. In a gotta-have-it situation, you throw him on the field? No offense to Blake Smith. But Kansas isn't looking at him going, oh, we really need to account for that guy just in case they run some play action here. The personnel decision, bad. Made it even more crowded. First play. Let's go through the drive. First play, Caden Green gets his ass kicked. Loss of one on inside zone. Gets thrown to the ground. TFL. He's a freshman. Whatever. Second and 11. You go 12 personnel again. The wide receivers on the field are Gavin Freeman and Jaden Gibson. The game's on the line. You're in 12 personnel, which I clearly have an issue with. How are those your two wide receivers on the field? Someone explain that to me. I wish I could. And the box is completely stacked, right? They have one-on-one. Both Freeman and Gibson are one-on-one on the outside. You need one first down to win the football game. QB lead power with Dylan Gabriel into a completely stacked box. Third and 12. Reminder, you need one first down to win the football game. Uh, yeah, th- at this point, the clock doesn't matter anymore. You need one first down, and you walk out of there with a win. And instead of putting the ball in Dylan Gabriel's hands, your potential Heisman Trophy candidate, you hand it off to a guy that you barely trusted to put on the field this season. In Javante Barnes. No offense to Barnes. 
But that makes no sense. You take it out of the hands of the guy that has been your best player and you hand it to a guy you barely trusted to put on the field. And you can use all the excuses, hey, we wanted him to use the timeouts. We wanted to run it there. Dylan Gabriel, if he doesn't like what he sees, guess what he can do? He can go down and the clock runs. And you're punting it anyways. And you're punting it anyway. Which we'll get to that in a minute. The the lack of trust in Dylan Gabriel in that moment is baffling to me. Baffling. I I don't know how you call that play in that situation. It's crazy to me that they just turned and handed it to Javante Barnes. That being said, and I know people aren't going to want to hear this, and I have never played running back. I know a lot of stuff is moving fast. If Javante Barnes hugs Caden Green and Jacob Sexton's double team, which I believe the way he's supposed to, he hits his head on the goalpost. I sent you the picture. Yeah. Instead, he bounces left into two unblocked guys. If he goes right off Caden Green, he scores a touchdown, and I'm bitching way less on here. <laughs> yeah. But that's been the issue with him, right? They have not been able – he hasn't been seeing things well. He hasn't felt like himself. And you don't – I just don't understand how you don't put the ball in Dylan Gabriel's hands there. There is no excuse you can give me. You can give me all the statistics. You can say, well, that we were going to make him go the length of the field. You can say all of that. There's nothing you can tell me that will make me agree with not giving Dylan Gabriel the ball there. Nothing. Well, and that's the point is, is, you know, back to it is the the clock no longer matters. When it's whenever it's third down, the clock does not matter. You, if you get the first down, the football game is over. Forget about the clock. It's it's does not matter anymore in this set of downs. Convert the first down, football game is over. Explain it to me, man. Help me understand. I have no idea. I cannot explain it. Help me. Know. Here's the thing, and I I think a lot of times football becomes way more complicated than it needs to be. And there there's there's a lot of there's a lot of complication in doing some simple things, but at the end of the day, offense should come down to this. Find ways to get the ball to your best players in situations where they thrive. It doesn't have to be run like this is our system. This is what we do. You have to get the ball to your best players and let them do what they do best. And I, I just, I feel like that, we were lost in that in in this game. I mean, Nick Anderson is is like the hottest receiver in the conference right now, and he's six foot four. 
and he's getting one on man to man coverage one on one. We should he should be eating that up. We should be just chewing Kansas apart with that. You know, I I don't know. It's it's frustrating at times. Well, it's frustrating, period. Let's go through the guys quickly individually. Dylan Gabriel. This is a perfect example. On the pick six, Nick Anderson is one-on-one. And he wins. And he chooses to throw it late all the way across the field to Farouk. Nick Anderson's the best wide receiver on this team. Yep. The sooner Dylan Gabriel understands that, the better. Now, I did think DG played with a lot of toughness. Thought he ran it with toughness. Ran it with physicality. I don't know how to evaluate his performance because of the play calling. The game was taken out of his hands. So I really don't know what else to say about the way that he played. You got anything? No, I no. I don't. Running I, back. I think that he 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 never really got an opportunity to get in much rhythm. You know, a lot of passing game is rhythm and we just it's just so much you know, throwing the bubble and and RPO stuff, but he's reading RPO that he never really gets a chance to just get in a rhythm and drop back pass. We were doing play action fakes on the last drive of the game. Yeah. I understand that's your ball handling. But really? Yeah. Tawi Walker, if you're looking for a bright spot from this football game, that dude played his ass off. I've got nothing but positive things to say about him. I understand why they kept handing it to him. He was great. Running through guys. He's not the most elusive guy, but running behind his pads, inflicting pain. Him hurting his ankle may have been the reason Kansas won this football game. But... How are we to the point where Tawi Walker rolls an ankle and no other running back can be relied on? I don't know. Gavin Sawchuk, he doesn't look very explosive. We were hoping after what we saw against UCF in the fourth quarter that that would be some type of springboard for him. Barely saw him. Saw more Farouk at running back than Sacha. Yeah. And speaking of the Farouk fumble, there's no doubt. You have to protect the ball. But to me, that's on coaches. Farouk, how many how many snaps has Farouk played live action at the running back position in college? Five. Ten. And it's the second guy that gets you. It wasn't the first. That second guy coming in and putting putting his hand or his helmet right on the football. Farouk's probably never even felt that in practice. I doubt the scout team defense is tackling Jalil Farouk to the ground 
and capping him off when he's going to the ground, you know? Yeah. Well, and, you know, it's... Sawchuck or Barnes has to be in that situation. Or those guys need to figure out what the hell they need to do throughout the week to where they get that opportunity and Jalil Farouk does not. Right. I, I, Farouk fumbled it. You know, that's that's on him, but you know, we're, we're trying to get away, trying to find a way to get a spark in the running game. I get that. Um, and trying to get the ball to our playmakers. I understand that, but the overall, like just the situation at running back is like to where that even has to be something that's thought about. Right. The reason we're even talking about that's like, let's just try what, find a way to get Farouk the ball. You know, he, it, and it just shouldn't be that way. And I don't know, I don't know how it's gotten there. Whenever all of these guys have, have shown some, like, we thought they all were going to look good and no one, everyone's regressed. And I think a lot of it is injury based. And I understand that like with Barnes and the foot and Sawchuk with the, the hamstring and Marcus majors, you know, it's been hard for him his, his whole career to find consistency it's just, I don't know how we got into this spot at running back. It's wild. I I don't know either. Javante Barnes. Which, by the way, Kansas has two running backs that would start for us. Oh, there's no doubt. Two of them. How's that the case? How does Kansas have two backs better than OU's? Well, part of it is the run game. Well, that's true. <laughs> yeah, know? that's true. But they create know, the, a lot of space. They do a lot of different things. They carry a ton of concepts. Well, that's the thing is like, I, I, I hate the RPO so much. Just like in the broad sense for college football, I think it has, it's the single it is it has regressed the sport more than anything it is so bad it is such a it's such a bad play and it's a bad way to build your offense it's no identity it's a mush play it's not a run it's not a pass it's just a it's just a where are they not let's just the ball out there it's such bad football it is bad football let me hey look look at this you know how many rpos kansas ran against us that i counted zero they ran hand sweep out of 20 personnel they ran counter out of 20 personnel they ran two back stretch with the tied in block and they ran wildcat direct snap down and around stretch they ran the one back uh, pin pull out of shotgun. They ran a wildcat power. They ran the wildcat power read a different look. They ran duo. They ran not wildcat, but direct snap to the back, one back power. They ran the counter out of wildcat. They ran split zone. They ran toss out of shotgun with a pin pull concept. It's like an out, outside zone looking deal. They ran one back GT counter. They ran zone read stretch out of shotgun. They ran uh, shotgun, the one-back stretch. Uh, they run pistol, ran just like a dive play, like duo. 
They ran the Q draw out of shotgun. They run split lead on the goal line. They run bunch shotgun GT counter. They run GT counter out of near with the tight end. Those are all different concepts that they ran in the game. And OU ran zone insert, one back power to the tight end, some split zone, a lot of jet sweep action, which I know a lot of OU fans uh, took notice of. One wham trap, which was the play that created more space than any other play all day for Oklahoma. A couple counters, GY counter. Oh, did I mention they were all RPS? So it's a mush. Now I don't. I don't know if they're all RPOs. I don't know if they have a way where they tell Dylan Gabriel to absolutely hand it. But I, I've said it a lot, and the contrast of what Kansas's offensive line did coming off the ball, and what OU's offensive line did. It's the best example of what you're saying about how having so much RPO makes your offensive line bad. It makes your quarterback bad, too. Makes everyone bad. Well, this is fun. Let's continue. <laughs> Wide receiver, Drake Stoops. Guy makes big plays. Blocked really well when the ball came his way. He made plays. Nice catch and run on the RPO in the middle of the field. Finally found a little space. Just baffling to me that OU didn't do more of that stuff. But same stuff, different week for Drake Stoops. Uh, Jarrell Farouk, Bumble was a killer. There's no doubt. Never really got any opportunities down the field at wide receiver. I was looking, looked fast on tape. I thought he was playing fast. Ball never found him. Never even looked at him, really. Gavin Freeman, apparently all he can do is speed sweeps. All this speed, and the guy never gets to run routes down the field. I don't understand. Nick Anderson, same thing. Grossly mismanaged in this game, in my opinion. Plenty of opportunities. One-on-one. And they didn't push it down the field. He didn't even have enough routes down the field for me to look at it and go, okay, was he winning? Tied in. Stogner. Guy's battling. He's done a nice job as a blocker. He continues to be, I mean, he's just not a threat in the past game. And I did think not having a playmaker at tight end with what they had on the field at nickel, not having a true playmaker at tight end hurt. In this one, well, he's not a threat in the pass game though because we don't have a we don't have much of a pass game. We have a RPO game, so you don't get. I mean, Stogner is he is more than capable of running an option route. He's more than capable of running an over route. We just it's everything is RPO driven that we you don't. I mean, there's just not much opportunity. Completely agree. Offensive line. Uh, Walter Rouse, I I don't really know what to say. I, I like Jacob Sexton as a player. I think he's going to be good eventually. 
but I have no idea why Bill Beanbow pulled Walter Rouse the way he did in this game. He's a veteran guy. He's a great locker room guy. He was the captain for the game. And yeah, he had a few bad plays on the first two series. But he just was sprinkled in and out of the game the rest of the way. He's a better player than Jacob Sexton. He's a better player. There's just no debating that at where those two guys are at in their career. And Sexton, once again, I think he's going to be a really good player. The play strength is not there yet. He got absolutely worked on the last two drives. It should have been Walter Rouse on the field. I. He looked healthy. I have no idea. Got nothing for you, Ted. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I got nothing either. You're not supposed to treat veteran guys like that. I know he's a transfer. I know he hasn't been there. But that that was that was very confusing to me. Caden Green did some nice things. Didn't get the start. We'll get to Savion Bird. Believe me. Caden Green, the holding he got called for was terrible. He absolutely threw that guy out of the club. That was awesome. Yeah, chalk that up. Put that one on the list of horrible calls. He he displays more power on some snaps. He displays more power than anyone else on the football team. He's a true freshman. I don't know if that's a compliment to him or an indictment on the other guys. Maybe it's a little bit of both. But there are some clips where you go, damn, yes. But he's young. He's new to the position. As it got late in the game, as the play started mattering more, his technique started to get worse. And he gets he was getting thrown by Kansas's defensive tackles, just locking them out, shedding them, and they're really well coached. They do a good job of that. If 40 wouldn't have gotten banged up early in the game, he was throwing everyone around early. I'm just telling you, that dude would have had a career day, but he did get banged up. But Caden Green got thrown some, whiffed some with the, because his eyes were down. He's having some trouble redirecting on twist games, right? I think he needs to work on that in the offseason. It's hard to work on that. It's hard to get better with your lateral agility during the season. But, and, and he had a couple. He had a couple rough series to finish the football game. But I'm still, I'm very, very excited about his future and getting getting that many reps in a game like that. The hope is that it pays it pays dividends down the line. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it will. He's remember he had and I know you mentioned this, but he's he's not a guard. They played he played tackle all all spring, all training camp, has been playing guard for what now, three, four weeks? Maybe not even that. So yeah. he's over I mean, all things considered, as a true freshman, he's doing he I mean, you're gonna be exposed at times when you got true freshmen out there starting. That's just how it is, but all things considered, he's doing great. Andrew Rame didn't think he played particularly well to start the game, but then settled in. He's doing a really nice job in pass protection. 
I mean, he is, but uh, he continues to struggle getting to the seven, second level in their zone concepts. And then when he does get to the second level, he just pushes, he knocks the hell out of linebackers and just pushes them away instead of grabbing them. Uh, he has got to improve in those situations, but Rain's the least of this team's problems. Uh, McCade Matoyer, tough dude. Respect the hell out of him. Leader, toughness, went out there and battled his ass off, but the fact that he had to play on one healthy leg is such an indictment on the other guys in that room. He should not have had to play. And yeah, he got a holding call at a really, really bad time. But the dude was out there battling his ass off on one leg because Savion Bird and Troy Everett apparently can't figure their shit out. I have all the respect in the world for McCade and what he just showed me on tape. That's good stuff, man. But he should not have had to play. He shouldn't have had to play the amount of snaps he did. Other guys have to be able to earn their way on the field. You got a guy out there playing with a high ankle sprain. Are you really that bad in practice? You can't get on the field over that guy? It's insane. Figure your shit out, boys. Savion Bird, personal foul was dumb. Hang on, on McKay. Is that when, was he blocking 40 when he got hurt? Did you see that? Because I just remember one of their guys was down laying on the field and he was, he had already moved down and he was back there pointing at him, saying something to him while he was laying on the (laughs) Hey, you got to do what you got to do when you're playing wounded, man. I know. I was laughing. Uh, Savion Bird, personal foul was dumb. Unnecessary push late. Loved everything about it up to the point where he pushes the guy's guy way late. It's the right call. I I don't know how you can be as talented as him, how you can play as much football as he has now and still look as lost as he does. It's crazy to me. He's doing nothing well. Run game is timid off the ball. Pass pro is catching. There is not an ounce of violence to that guy other than pushing people way after the whistle. Whatever we thought he was going to have this year, he ain't got it right now. And he needs to find a way to get it back. Because this team needs him. This team needs him. At a minimum, you have to know what you're supposed to do on every play. I mean, that's just, you cannot play football at this level if you don't know what you're supposed to do on every play. And the only way you know what you're supposed to do on every play is if you care enough about the result of the of the game and the result of the season to put in some time on your own, not doing all the other things that you love, right? Whatever that may be, if it's playing video games, if it's whatever it is, you have to spend time alone learning it. It has to mean something to you. 
to you. You can't you can't play football at this level without knowing what you're doing. You just cannot do it. You can not do it. And it's especially in all our offense, it cannot be that hard. We've got like three concepts we run. You said it. Tyler Guyton. He's still got to finish better in the run game. He's doing some stuff where he just stops playing like he's made 10 Pro Bowls or some shit. I don't know why he's doing it. Needs to stop. Several times he stops, his guy goes and gets in on the tackle. That being said, he's got some glimpses where, yeah, you understand why he's being mocked in the first round right now. But he's still, he's not the dominant player he should be. And he was really good in pass protection all game long until he just, I, he jump sets a guy and doesn't touch him and gets Dylan Gabriel hit. I don't know what that was. And Farouk, he would have had a chance in the corner of the end zone on that play. But instead, DG's getting hit. Ball just skips across the field. Um, I don't know, man. He he's a really good player, but uh, you got anything else on the offense? No, not on the offense. But I the to, in in my opinion the I the the final series offensively. And then the punt, like to me, is a microcosm of the entire game. Way too conservative. And then you have to have a little bit of football awareness. If I'm standing on the sideline, right, I really have one job on on the entire day, the entire football team, and that's as a special teams player. Okay, I'm probably watching the game and watching the clock thinking, okay, this is a serious football situation. I've got to be, you know, my little piece of the pie here on trying to win the football game is probably going to come into play here. Right. Clock's ticking down. Offense has gone conservative. Punt team is up. All right. As a player, I see what the what the decision is here. We're going to punt the football. We're going to force Kansas to go the length of the field to score a touchdown on us. Uh, you know, that's, that's what we're going to do. So the biggest thing we can do right now is pin them deep, make it difficult on them. We're in a pooch punt territory. Now, forget that this is the end of the game and the most critical change of possession that we've had the entire day. Right, forget all of that aside. Every single day, whenever you practice punt team as a gunner, you practice pooch punt situation. In a pooch punt situation, again, forget that this at the moment is the most important change of possession of the game. Pooch punt, it's easy. I find the football. I do not go to the return man. I Find the football. I release. 
I look up in the air. We probably, we may have called pooch punt left or pooch punt right or pooch punt middle. Doesn't mean the ball's always going to go there. I still have to find it. I beat my guy. A lot of times they don't even get near you. They're going to release you because it's going to be a fair catch, right? And they don't want to create a bunch of chaos down there. I'm, I should turn, find the football, catch it in the air myself. It's totally legal or at least get behind it, heels on the goal line, protect the goal line, wait for the ball to bounce, shield the goal line, down it inside the 10-yard line, inside the five. That is every pooch punt ever in football, ever. That is coached not sometimes, not once every 10 times we practice punt team we talk, we've, we've mentioned this in a meeting back in training camp. No, every day, every day, they run a drill every day in punt team. The inside core blocks punt. They work the protection. The gunners all day long go down, run past the return guy, and defend the goal line to down the football. Every single day, every day. It's talked about every day. What do we do? It's the last change of possession of the football game. There's a minute and something left. This is the most critical down of the day, special teams-wise. We've screwed some stuff already, but here it is. We're going to pin them deep. What does the gunner do? Is it a pooch punt? Yes. Does he go to the return guy like he's not supposed to? Yes. Do we lose like 20 yards, 15 yards? of field position on the final drive of the game, yes, we lose it because of a mental mistake because someone doesn't give a shit enough about the game to do something very simple that you've been coached on every single day. I've sat there and watched it. I've watched them do the drills. I know they've been coached on it. I've sat there in practice and watched it with my own two eyes. It's not like it's never been talked about before. What do we do? We run right to the return guy. Return Every return guy, let me explain this. When it's a pooch punt and the returner deems that it's going to be past the eight-yard line, wherever it is, he's going to do what's called a draw technique. He's going to fake like, oh, I'm, it's a short kick. I'm running up to catch it. Oh, fair catch. I'm running up to catch it. And because he knows that somewhere there's going to be somebody who doesn't care about the situation, who doesn't care about what they've been coached, and he's going to go, oh, it must be a bad kick. Let me go run over to the return guy, even though I've been coached forever that in a pooch punt, I don't go to the return guy. I go to the goal line. So we get they get the ball at the 20-yard line. Okay, well, it's still the 20-yard line. It changes the way offensive coordinators have to call plays. If they're at the five-yard line, they're not calling the same plays as they do at the 20-yard line. That's not championship football. It's not. It's clown football. I can teach anyone in that moment. It's the end of the game. What are you thinking about? How selfish is that? That's the easiest thing in the world. It's crazy to me. I don't know. I don't know how that happens. I'm with you. All right, let's get to call your shot. Uh, we got a lot of responses. I bet. 
We asked you guys your number one takeaway from OU's loss to Kansas. Uh, this first one comes from Eric, who says, Turnovers. I don't care how good your coaches are or are not. You will not win many games with three turnovers. True. It's a good point. Tremendous point, Eric. And this last one comes from Bill Bailey, who says, remember the 2022 record of six and seven. This team is seven and one. The fan base has unrealistic expectations. Bill, I disagree. I have all the respect in the world for Lance Leipold and what he's doing at Kansas. All the respect in the world. Oh, you should not lose to Kansas. Shouldn't happen. Team should be undefeated. That's just where I'm at with it. Is that really where we're at as a fan base? We're okay with losing to Kansas. We made fun of Texas for years. And now you're telling me I'm supposed to be okay with it? No. No, no, no. You can well, miss me with that. Yeah. You beat, you go beat Texas the way that you beat him. Texas is one of the best teams in the country. And then you go and play the way you did against Kansas. Well, the weather was bad, so we just we get all conservative offensively. Can't get off blocks defensively. Oh, their scheme, they do so much. No. No, I I ain't on board with that. I'm just not. If you want to say like the expectation to go win a national championship this this year is is unreasonable. Well, I mean, that's a different conversation. But to go to Kansas and to beat Cam- Kansas is not an unreasonable expectation. It's just not. And that will always be the expectation. That's just it's just not. Should have won that game. Had all kinds of opportunities to win that game. All right, let's recap some of the best games of week nine in college football. But first... John Vance Auto Group has a deal for Oklahoma breakdown listeners. Go to any of their nine full-service dealerships in Woodward, Miami, and Guthrie. Tell them we sent you, and they'll give you $500 off. That's $500 off just because you listen to this podcast. They've been serving Oklahomans for 40 years, family-owned and operated. No matter what your vehicle needs are, John Vance Auto Group has you covered. They carry domestic brands such as Ford, Lincoln, Chevy, Buick, GMC, Chrysler, Dodge, Ram, Jeep, and Wagoneer. John Vance Auto Group's goal is to give unequaled service and to exceed customers' expectations in every way. You can find all the information about their lifetime loyalty program, browse their entire inventory, and find the John Vance dealership near you at vanceautogroup.com. And attention business owners, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective, comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. If your business wants to be best in class, connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A.com. And head to the garage for a hand-smashed patties, butter-toasted buns, and ice-cold beer. It's the perfect spot to watch any big game. With all the garage locations being open to 10 p.m. or later every night, it's the go-to late-night spot. Visit eatatthegarage.com to find a location near you and order online 
from the garage in your neighborhood. Week nine of college football. Let's start in Salt Lake City. Woo. Oregon 35, Utah 6. Ted, Oregon went to Rice-Eccles Stadium and smacked Utah around. Got their first win there since 2016. That was impressive. Yeah. Yeah, they they got Utah at the right time after they, you know, kind of sold out, gave everything they had in that USC game, showed all their cards. Um, we've we've known that their offense is is pretty limited without Cam Rising, and Oregon knew it and just jumped all over it. The Oregon Ducks are a damn good football team. Yep, uh, really nice performance in a hostile environment. They did what you got to do on the road. They started fast. They didn't fall into a fourteen nothing hold. They started fast, and they jumped out to a fourteen three lead. Then picked Bryson Barnes off, made him pay for it. Right? Bo Nix finds Troy Franklin in the back of the end zone, extends the lead to 21 to 3. And at that point, the game was over. Yep. Utah, they're just not built to come from behind like that. And they certainly had no chance with the way that Oregon came out of the locker room in the second half. Smacked him straight in the face. 35 to 6 in a blink of an eye. Yep. Yep. Or, Oregon is a, they are a well balanced, well coached football team. Um, good game plans. I like what they do a lot. You know, they're, they're, they're physical. They win the line of scrimmage. They compete. Uh, Oregon is, Oregon's good. They're really good. Bucky Irving is one of my favorite running backs to watch in college football. Yes, sir. He can do everything. Hand it to him. Throw it to him. Guarantee he's going to make people miss. He'll make you miss. He'll run through you. He'll carry the pile. He's he is uh, all around. He's a he's an NFL back. He can do it all. One of the reasons I liked Oregon to go and win this football game was the fact that Bo Nix has been in a lot of these now. And he looked the way that a veteran needs to look if you want to go beat a good team on the road. Extremely efficient, was accurate, pushed it down the field when he needed to, used his legs when he needed to, did a nice job moving within the pocket, keeping his eyes downfield, then got the ball downfield. 34th or excuse me, 24-31 for 248 and two touchdowns. Mm. Efficient. Really nice performance from him. Troy Franklin continues to produce for them at the wide receiver spot. Guy's a problem. And you think about Utah offensively, they just could not get the running game going with Jaquindon Jackson and Sione Vaki. And they fell into that big hole, so then they had to get away from it. That had been really good for them, especially Vaki in a mul- in multiple ways. Been really good for them for the last couple weeks. Utah had 28 rushing yards in the first three quarters of this game. Mm, one-dimensional. One-dimensional. That's what I like about Oregon is 
distribute and, and Bo Nix does a good job of running that offense. Let's just let our best players have some touches in good spots, whether it's uh, getting it to Irving in the running game or giving him some opportunities in the passing game or, you know, letting Franklin go to work. Just distribute the ball to the playmakers and let them do their thing. One random observation from watching this game. And I think this is a compliment to Kyle Whittingham and what he's built there. There is no team in the country that I've seen that understands how you are supposed to act when you're getting your ass kicked in a football game than what I saw from Utah in this game. Getting thumped, guys making some nice plays late in the game, no celebration, nothing. Back to the huddle. And maybe that's an old man thing, but I appreciated it. They were getting worked. They knew it. They made plays. They kept playing hard. They went back to the huddle. They kept going. No incompletes, no celebrations, TFLs, no celebrations on catches, nothing. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I appreciate it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I appreciate it as well. It means that you don't care about your individual results. You care about what the outcome of the football game is. And the individual results will come whenever you win football games. And it's refreshing. I, I think Kyle Whittingham is I, one of, if not the models for college football programs, what you want them to be like. He's great. But they got smacked. Oregon's good. Oregon's yep. good. Moving on to the next game, uh, BYU went to Texas and did not give the Longhorns much of a game. Game was never in doubt. Texas was a much better football team, especially at the line of scrimmage, than BYU. But what'd you make of what we saw from Malik Murphy? A bit up and down. One of the worst interceptions you're ever going to see. But was a was a bit up and down. Looked like a guy that was starting his first college football game at the quarterback position. That's what I was about to say. You know, there you just got to think about how far behind you fall. As like, even if you're a backup quarterback, let's assume that two players have equal skills. They're right here. The how far you fall behind the other guy in reps whenever you have a starter through training camp, through spring ball, through uh eight eight weeks of the season. I you're so far behind, and then you have to go out there and perform as a guy that's been a starter for seven or eight games. It's you're clearly going to be rusty. The decision making isn't going to be nearly as crisp. You're going to be kind of holding on to your butt there for a little bit. And I think that's what it was. It's just it. you see some really nice play from him, and then you see inconsistent play from a guy that has just not had a whole lot of starter reps. I mean, the, yeah. lo- the more he plays, the better he'll get. Yeah, I think the, the fumble when they're trying to set up the screen is a perfect example. Mm-hmm. It happens faster on game day, young fella. Yep. But uh, overall, pretty pretty solid. Right. Other than the mistakes, and those were early. Those were in the first half. Other than the mistakes, 
found out an I Mitchell on a couple of touchdowns. Uh, one, the throw wasn't as crisp as you want it to be, but hey, found his playmaker, got him the football, and as expected, BYU got a big dose of Texas's run game. Uh, Jonathan Brooks, another n- nice performance, what ninety-eight yards in a touchdown. Texas offensive line was doing a nice job of moving that defensive line for BYU. And Brooks, he's got such good patience. And the thing that stands out, he's got that patience, Ted. And then when he decides to go, it's like watching a, you're the car guy. What's a really fast car off the line? Off the line? Uh, Tesla. Tesla, sure. He's Tesla a Tesla. Perfect for Austin. He He is, when he decides to go, the acceleration is elite. He's got this patience, and then it's, okay, I see it. Let's hit it. And it's, I mean, it's really good stuff, and I think it's one of the main reasons their run game is as effective as it is. Yeah. I mean, this is the... We don't have that guy, by the way. No. We don't have one of those guys. No, and it's a it's a recurring theme. We're just talking about Oregon, one of the best teams in the country. They got that guy. Texas has that guy. I mean, you can kind of go down the list. Uh, most most of those teams that are kind of in the range that we were, um, I have a guy at running back. That know. really hurt when you said word like that. Well, hey, it's, that hurt. It's, it's the truth, but it hurt. I'm it, not gonna lie. That that word carried a lot of weight. Ouch! Yeah. Damn yeah. it! You, it's a great point. Texas has playmakers, right? Dynamic playmakers. Brooks did it in the running game. Adonai Mitchell did it in the passing game. Xavier Worthy did it as a punt returner. Sets the tone in that game early. Guy looks like a blur on that first touchdown for the Longhorns. Dynamic playmakers. You have to get them the football because they can make plays. Now, you have to have those guys, but you have to call plays to get the football to those guys. Yeah. Well, and, you know, both of these games, the Oregon-Utah game and then the BYU-Texas game, when you show up, you play well early, you build a lead. It's how you put people away whenever you make them one-dimensional. We never, against Kansas, we never – forced the ball into Jason Bean's hands as a backup or as a drop-back passer. Never. And both Oregon and Texas did that to Utah and BYU. Forced them to be one-dimensional, and you can just tee off. You know what's coming, and it's a scramble. Every play, we never had a chance to pin our ears back on on anything. We're kind of on our heels the whole day. Positives for BYU? Had a couple of really nice goal line stands. One late in the third, one early in the fourth. It's good stuff. And that's that's something Texas clearly has an issue with. Mm-hmm. Finishing those drives down on the goal line, but Cougars just, they had nothing going in the running game. Keaton Slovis had to throw it like 40 times. Had a rough day, got hit a lot. Well, again, that's what happens whenever the other team builds a lead on you. And you got to throw it to catch up to try and get yourself back in the game. You're one dimensional. Yeah. 
The only other observation I have from this game, BYU was in the the old school Navy-ish BYU look. I think I like the brighter blue look better for them. 100%. It really pops. Because it's... it's, Just something to consider, Cougars. Maybe stick with the uh, the more vibrant blue. You know how I am. You've spent years and money on marketing and your brand to where people instantly know who you are whenever they see you. I don't know that you instantly know who that is whenever you see it, right? I think that's fair. I don't. I didn't come away from this game viewing Texas any differently. I do think with what we've seen, the small sample size we've seen, the offense is better with Ewers running. They can't have Malik Murphy. They can't have him continue to make these mistakes, especially with K-State coming to town. Yeah. So they need to get him back. I just don't know how long he is. He's going to be out. It seems to be pretty uncertain. Yeah. Now that Oklahoma's lost, um, it's gonna be it's gonna be a drag race to the finish line. And can Texas can they make it to the Big Twelve Championship with two losses? I don't know. We'll see what happens after after they lose to K State. They're gonna be scoreboard watching, you know, trying to handle their business, trying to get yours back too, but I don't know. It's going to be tough to make it to the Big 12 championship with two losses. We'll see. I see what you did there. It's. I'm just saying it's happening. I'm not telling you you're wrong. K-State's playing good, man. I'm not telling you you're wrong. Well, I'm sure we'll preview that one on Wednesday's episode. I was going to preview Georgia or recap Georgia-Florida here, but I'll just take Georgia as my winner. So let's get to our winners and losers of the weekend. But first, do you have difficulty sitting for long periods of time or can't lay on your side due to pain? Well, it's a hip thing, and the only person to go see is Dr. Brandon Johnson at the Hip Clinic in Oklahoma City. No matter your age, the Hip Clinic has the experience and knowledge to help ease your hip pain and preserve your hip joint. Don't let the pain hold you back any longer. Don't just accept a hip replacement, people. Call the Hip Clinic today at 844-KEEP-HIP or visit thehipclinicokc.com. Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School represents a tradition of educational excellence in Oklahoma City. Grounded in a faith-based education, Bishop McGinnis offers college prep curriculum that includes 22 AP courses, participation in OSSAA athletics, and numerous clubs and organizations for students to join and grow. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org financial aid is available as always ted kick us off who do you have as your winner of the weekend oklahoma state university cowboys how how many times have they been winner of the weekend in a row now starting to feel like i'm an oklahoma state fan or something right don't say that don't put that out there Um, you didn't hear that people it's okay that was an ass whipping no doubt. Here it is. You know who you got to stop. Can you do it? Answer, no. You cannot do it. Uh, move the ball in Cincinnati at will pretty much. Had some explosive plays, explosive runs. Uh, 
got to do the uh, the curtain call, pull him out of the game late. You've done enough, buddy. Pat him on the back. Uh, camera on him while he's standing on the sideline. It's not fun to be in one of those performances if you're Cincinnati, where you know the entire second half of the broadcast is spent talking about one guy. <laughs> you know, that's just uh, woo. Twenty five carries. 271 yards and two touchdowns on the ground. Also had four catches for 21 yards. And a trail of would-be tacklers left on the ground behind him. These are not hand it to him and it's just blocked perfectly wide open race to the goal line. Nope. It's like spinning and ripping and running through tacklers and churning your legs and finding yards and then then finding a way after a second third effort to find some space to turn it into an explosive run i mean it's it's really good and again find a way to get the ball to your playmakers and let them go to work and alan bowman continues to play solid football sharp crisp efficient not blowing your doors uh, doors off with anything but when they need him to to connect on a pass he gives him a good chance initial read on bedlam how you feeling we'll preview it on wednesday there'll be a deep dive but how you feeling i don't feel great neither do i i I don't like that but it's just the reality of it seems to me oklahoma is getting worse and Oklahoma state is getting drastically better. That's what I was going to say is you have Oklahoma is the better football team, but you have two teams that are going in different directions. One team is finding something and energetic and Hey, what can happen this season? We keep winning. Like, let's think of this is going to be big. You can't wait for it. The other team is trending down. Oh, my gosh. What did we do? Have we ruined the season? Like, that mindset matters, in my opinion. And especially whenever you're going into a rivalry game on the road, now, different than what it was a couple of weeks ago, Forget the football team. That fan base thinks they're going to win the game. It's the last time you're playing them in the series. Buddy, that is going to be a hornet's nest whenever we kick that football off. 2.30 kickoff. Plenty of time to get lubed up. We'll see what OU's made of. That's right. Hold on to your butts. All right, who do you have as your loser of the weekend? Well, the rest of the Heisman guys, Ollie Gordon, I'm sorry to say it, folks, but we're on Heisman watch. You go back, you start going over two bills, over 250 yards in in back-to-back weeks, whenever everyone else has fallen off, Drake May, gone. Caleb Williams, gone. Sanders at Colorado, gone. Dylan Gabriel, gone. Quinn Ewers, gone. Brock Bowers, gone. 
right? So Michael Penix Jr. scare against Stanford. Yeah, he I, he's still hanging in there, but right, the herd has thinned, and there's there's a new pony in town with uh with Ollie Gordon, and he is. As everyone else, the attention is faded on all of the buzz with a bunch of people coming in this year. Now everyone's focus is turned somewhere else, and he's peaking at the right time. And guess what? He's got a – there's a lot of people out there in college football that probably haven't heard what Ollie Gordon has done over the last, uh, what, three or four weeks. They're going to be watching this week. You got your big rival coming to town at home, 2.30 kick. All the eyeballs. Woo. I, I've been saying it. Him and Jonathan Brooks, you start thinking about guys that are not quarterbacks that could end up as Heisman Trophy finalists. Marvin Harrison Jr. Yep. Jonathan Brooks, especially with yep. the opportunity if viewers is going to be out for a while. Is Ollie Gordon at the top of the list? Yeah, back-to-back, 250-plus weeks. The conver- There's a conversation between him and Marvin Harrison Jr. And with the way that the season started for Oklahoma State, the fact that we're having this conversation is incredible. Yep. Credit to Mike Gundy, Casey Dunn, that old line Ollie Gordon. What a resurgence. I told people, everyone wants to laugh at me whenever I I, tell, I say Mike Gundy is like, I, I don't know, it won't die. As soon as you think, like, there's no way this year they're going to do – this is going to be horrible. Job watch. What are they going to do? They're going to get rid of him. That's whenever they have their best stuff. It's crazy. I am looking at BetMGM's odds – Right now, Ollie Gordon not even on the board. Mm. How is that possible? They've got Penix, McCarthy, Jaden Daniels, who's playing really well for LSU. Bo Nix, Jordan Travis, uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. is the only non-quarterback. Well, Blake Corum's on there as well. I have no idea how Ollie Gordon isn't in that conversation. It may may not have been updated yet, but... If it's not if he's not on there, if if he has another big week against Oklahoma in a win and bedlam, he's gonna be on there. And he's Here's, gonna be high on there. I, I found one on DraftKings. He is plus ten thousand right now. I I he's all everything all of what we said considered, he is still of an outside like a far outside shot. Like he's gonna need help, but hundred to win ten thousand ain't bad. I mean, it's maybe worth maybe worth. I I, I put money on, on worse things than that for sure. No doubt. All right, let's get to my winner and loser. But first, elevate your tailgate with Chapel Supply and Equipment in Oklahoma City. Chapel Supply and Equipment has generators and inverters on hand that'll give you all the power you need so you can take your tailgate to the next level. They also got top-of-the-line heaters to keep you warm during those cold tailgates later in the season. We're there. 
They're Oklahoma-owned and operated. Elevate your tailgate by calling 405-495-1722 or visit chapelsupply.com. That's C-H-A-P-P-E-L-L supply.com. And First Fidelity Bank knows how to keep fans like you happy. With more than 50 awards in the last five years, including Ford's Best in State Bank, the Oklahoma's Community Choice Awards, and the Journal Records Reader Rankings, it's clear that they are Oklahoma's number one bank for quality banking. And you can find the level of outstanding service in everything FFB offers. Open an account at an award-winning bank today at ffb.com. First Fidelity Bank, we go where you go. And head to opolisclothing.com for our podcast, merchandise, and the best OU gear out there. That's O-P-O-L-I-S clothing.com. Use promo code TED, T-E-D, for 10% off. That's opolisclothing.com. Use promo code TED for 10% off. Buttery soft and 10% off. All right, for my winner of the weekend, I am going with the Georgia Bulldogs. Georgia's wagon, Ted. Yes, sir. Certified wagon. Now, I don't think Florida is very good, but that is a big-time rivalry game at a neutral site, and Georgia smacked the hell out of Florida. Beat Florida 43-20, to and it was it was not even that close. And Florida got off to a hot start, right? Came out guns blazing right down the field, first drive. <laughs> and then Georgia basically choked the life out of them the rest of the football game. They made Florida pay for all of their mistakes. Uh, that now Florida did turn it over on downs in one of the cooler plays I've ever seen. It failed miserably, but still <laughs> it was the first play of the second quarter, fourth and inches. Mertz gets under center. They snap it through his legs to ETN, the running back who is then looking to throw the ball. Once again, failed miserably tackle floss, turnover on downs, but was really cool to watch. Yeah. Sometimes cool stuff doesn't work. I, I've always wondered, I was like, you know, what would happen if you if you did snap it between his legs, fake like the sneak, and, I don't know, try and gain the edge or something, but I don't know how many times Florida has done the quarterback sneak. I, It's something I think Philly may take advantage of because they're so good at it. Like, you're so enamored with stopping it, it leaves you exposed to some other things. No doubt. But Florida does that. They don't convert. What does Georgia do? They go and score a touchdown. Mertz fumbles in this game. What does Georgia go and do? Went and scored a touchdown. Georgia blocked a punt for a safety. Just too many mistakes from Florida, and Georgia made them pay for every single one of them. Carson Beck continues to get better. Right, he is. He's playing a f- efficient football, and he's very talented. Dejon Edwards, nice day running the rock, almost hundred yards, couple touchdowns. Georgia got after Florida along the line of scrimmage. Beck had all day to throw the football back there, all day, and he found Lad McConkey, who I believe is one of the best wide receivers in the country that doesn't get enough respect. Yeah. Dude is a playmaker for the best team in the pro er, in the country. Uh, it's one of those, like the Georgia beast has, because they're so good, 
not very many individual players on the team get really much credit for how good that they are because of all the credit kind of just goes to the animal, you know? Right. Fun matchup with Missouri next Saturday for the dogs. Missouri's a dangerous football team. But it's starting to feel like the three-peat is coming. They're getting better. Beck's getting better. The defense is getting better. That's a good football team. They're really good. It, it, You know, it was a lot of things were in question this year, but it's starting to feel pretty clear, assuming Michigan can play in the postseason, that we've got a collision course between those two programs, right? And that I hope we see it. I all everything else like aside, I hope we see it because frankly, I think Michigan's the only one that has a chance to stop them. I, I agree. I don't think anyone else has a chance to beat them. That's how it feels. Unless something changes. That's definitely can. how it feels. Things can change. Things can change. But right now, whew, what if they won like approximately a thousand games in a row? <laughs> I think it's like twenty seven or something like that. It's getting up there. So, uh, if they win out this year, you're talking about they're all of a sudden at at what they'd be they're eight no seven more games they'd be at like thirty four in a row, and next year I whoo you start to think about that forty seven game win streak I this will be the closest anyone's been in a long time. What happens? If OU and Georgia play in the SEC championship game next year with the 47-game winning streak on the line. I don't know if that math, that math checks out. I'm just going to pretend that it does, but could you imagine that? It would be it it's it would be close to that, right? It would be in that it would be in the vicinity. That would be amazing. I'm sure someone will tell us that our math is wrong and that we're idiots, but I'm just going to pretend that that, that is poss- a possibility. That would be awesome. During this few seconds here when we're discussing it, the thought of it is amazing. For my loser of the weekend, it's been a it's been a rough road for the newcomers in the Big 12. Yeah, it has. A lot of people thought UCF was going to get their first Big 12 win this weekend. I was not one of them, and West Virginia went down and smacked them. 41-28. The Knights got bad John Rice Plumley. Yep. As good as he looked against OU, threw three interceptions in this game. And meanwhile, West Virginia just ran all over the place. Had had nearly 300 yards rushing. Garrett Green using his legs, scored three touchdowns on the ground. Nice win for Neil Brown. And UCF continues to search for that first Big 12 win. And for those that haven't noticed, West Virginia is going to be a difficult game for Oklahoma. Correct. Physical football team. Knows their identity. Quarterback that can run. Quarterback that can really run. BYU, we talked about it. They got smacked in Austin, 35-6. to six. Cincinnati, we talked about it. They got smoked in Stillwater, 45-13. to 13. They got Ollie Gordon. And then the other newcomer, Houston, dismantled in Manhattan, 41 to nothing. More Will Howard and Avery Johnson in that one. Howard has been really good. 
since they started pulling him and putting think, Avery Johnson out there a little bit. I think it's taking the pressure off of him some, you know? He's playing really good football. Yep. Houston was also 3 of 14 on third down and 0 of 4 on fourth down. I I guarantee you that Houston, I the players and everything, and it's like we're going to like Manhattan, Kansas, and out in the middle of nowhere. I bet in that game they were like, what have we gotten ourselves into? With that stadium and that offense, yeah, that's a they're playing good right now. So in conference play, UCF and Cincinnati, both 0-5. Mm. Houston 1-4, and that one win coming on the Hail Mary against West Virginia. BYU, look at you guys, 2-3, and three, but one of the wins is over Cincinnati. They beat Tech. So four newcomers are a combined 3-17 and 17 in Big 12 conference play. With only one win over... Um, a previous Big 12 team. Is that right? No, because, well, what do you consider West Virginia? Houston beat no, West yeah. Virginia. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Sorry. Yeah. So, yeah, Tech, yeah. the only, Tech and West Virginia are the only teams yeah. to lose to a newcomer. Yeah. And the newcomers are struggling. And now we have five teams that are at four and one OU, Iowa State, Oklahoma State, Texas. In Kansas State. And would you look at this, Ted? We start taking a little gander ahead to next week's schedule. Bedlam in Stillwater. Mm -hmm. K-State at Texas. And Kansas at Iowa State. Saturday coming up. It's Big 12 moving day, baby. It's moving day. I like it. I like it. It's going to be wild. It's fun, man. I... Oklahoma State, I, all of those teams, good football teams too. Uh, I, you know, Iowa State, we've talked about them. We obviously Kansas, but yeah, this is this is fun. This is competitive. This is what you want it to be. I like it. Birthday shoutouts. Welcome to the world, Presley Rhett Connus. Welcome to the world, Baker Wayne. Welcome to the world, Benjamin Ace McKee. Welcome to the world, Crosby Jude Cochran. Happy first birthday to Henry Joseph Webster. Happy second birthday to Leo Douglas Kuhn. Happy sixth birthday to Aria Watson. Happy 10th birthday to Parker Opitz. Happy 20th birthday to Nick Ripple. Happy 23rd birthday to Parker Huckabee. Happy 42nd birthday to Josh Putnam. Happy 52nd birthday to Michael Todd. Happy 55th birthday to James Barry and happy birthday to Rob Lindsay. On that note, episode 366 in the books. That wasn't fun. I didn't like that. It was horrible. Let's not have to do that again, please. Let's win out, play some good football. We could do it. I'm with you. We'll have a new podcast that will drop on Wednesday. We will be previewing the last Bedlam for who knows how long. Get Just ready. a reminder, you can hear Teddy from 3 to 6 on The Ref. You can hear me from 2 to 5 on Sirius XM Big 12 Radio, Channel 375. Hope you all have a great start to your week. Don't let it 
don't let the loss have you down too bad, guys. It's okay. okay. We'll all get through this together. <laughs> Until next time, we appreciate y'all for listening. Do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other. For another night.